Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole and OU Fan Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Peyton Guthrie, along with our other host, Alan Kinney, and our uh, host, producer, the man in the chair, as they call it in the superhero movies, uh, Matt Burton. He's over there, like, calling out uh, bogeys and stuff. Matt, how's it going on in the control center? I mean, so through the keyhole, uh, how many monitors? How many tabs? Yeah, it's going open? well, man. Dude, I've got all the tabs open. I got three monitors in front in front of me, man. You know, if you need me to enhance something, I'll enhance it. You know, like uh, what's that? <laughs> Super troopers, uh, enhance, enhance. That's what I'm doing. That's yeah. my job. So yeah, I'm doing good, man. Man, that makes me feel extremely old. That your reference for the enhanced scene is Super Troopers, <laughs> <laughs> and not uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> um, but Alan, uh, join me uh, in in fellow oldness as we know the actual movies these things are based off of. How are you doing, man? Oh man, I can't complain. You know, uh, weekend's just about wrapped up, man. Ray, and we're so close to football too. But uh, you know, I'm I'm guess I'm just looking forward to uh, actually to having actual games to talk about. You know. Yeah, I know we have week zero coming up that's headlined by Nebraska, a Northwestern. Is there any other week zero games that you guys are looking forward to? Yeah, the uh well, like Vandy Hawaii, uh mainly because yeah. I've got a I've got a win total bet on Vanderbilt that I'll be interested in there. <laughs> and uh I think I'm trying to remember back, I think let me look at the uh schedule here actually. Um uh like North Texas UTEP uh just yeah that might be two, interesting yeah those are two kind of up-and-comers um so and then i mean of course ou's got utap on deck right so mm-hmm. uh another good reason to uh to watch that one yeah for ou we get a chance to see nebraska and a chance to see utap that'd be interesting um let's just dig into this nebraska thing is nebraska's favored to win by a decent amount are they not it's not a big number i think it's within uh double digits what what do we think is going to happen to that in Dublin? Do we think Nebraska is going to start off the the final potential final year Scott Frost with a win, or is this going to be just another era of comedies for Nebraska coming out this season? Oh, it's uh, Nebraska's favored by thirteen. Um, I mean, like here's the thing though, like I don't know. Northwestern is one of those teams they play so slow and play such low margin. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing, especially given the conditions and that that weirdness where uh you really could have just a, a ugly, nasty, low scoring game, uh, you know, something and, and you know, the kind of thing where, you know, if Nebraska isn't right, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing where they could just end up handing the game over to the Wildcats somehow. Yeah. Uh, it does seem like there's a there's something called, I don't know, I'm looking up on a bedside. Apparently, you can get the game at uh, Nebraska nine and a half, which I would be better at taking in the full double digits, like you said. But I'd be all about just hammering the under, <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever it is. That would certainly be my lean as well. Yeah, because I mean, like Northwestern's offense, at least last year, was abysmal, man. I mean, really bad. Yeah, I mean I, that's 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 the big thing about Northwesterns. They just want to drag you into the rock pit, and yeah. I just don't know if, especially if they're talking about. Um, I know I know some of the comments they were coming out of some of Nebraska stuff is that there's still a lot of option stuff kind of going on, 
which makes me think, oh, they really didn't adopt too much of Whipple's, um, if I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. uh, philosophy to a certain degree, or they've tried to do this weird blend. I still don't know if Frost really handed the keys over fully at that point in time. So I'm just not for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we did have a little bit of drama this week that was really nice to help me uh, get through the work week. <laughs> for a full what six hours uh hudson card was the starting quarterback of the uh, university of texas longhorns to have that flipped uh in the middle of like a weird i, I haven't watched that press conference uh an sid uh, uh, uh sports information director right um uh, mm-hmm. announces that uh they have a starting quarterback was not like the coach was not the you know any sort of like normal uh, distribution method announces that uh yours will be the uh starting head starting uh quarterback instead almost said starting head coach uh starting quarterback <laughs> instead of Hudson card after all the rumors you, you see uh all the uh, uh Texas bloggers really starting to buy the idea and Texas fans really starting to buy the idea of card starting uh just have to turn it around and flip it not even 12 hours later uh is this a symptom of Texas uh that we always see <laughs> What do we have any insight of what's happened here, or, or do you guys think it's cool just to roll with the talented kid? Before we get into it, I do want to. Where did we see that Hudson Card was going to be the starter? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you through the chronology. Okay, okay? please, so, thank you. Because yeah. I, I was looking, we're looking, and I just could not find anywhere that was like, yeah, Hudson Card's name the starter. I I saw the aftermath of when you know SID stepped in and all that stuff, but I never saw the the beginning. So the night before, I guess that would be Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Ketchum of Orange Bloods put out a report. He said he had talked to, you know, uh, he said something like a half dozen sources about where things were in the quarterback competition and that card would be the starter. Now, he, now, you know, I mean, I think he kind of half-assed it to a certain degree, you know, the way that, uh, you know, kind of unprofessional reporters sometimes have a tendency to do where it's like, oh, but things could change. But I mean, he <laughs> made it he made it fairly clear, like he's you know, he said something like I wouldn't be reporting this if I didn't feel very strongly that card was going to be the starter, something something along those lines. And to be fair, I don't think the other Texas pay sites were necessarily I, I mean, they seem to all be kind of reporting the same thing too i mean a lot of the reports were just stuff like you know neither one has really separated himself during scrimmages practices that type of thing you know so anyway friday morning um all of a sudden you know around midday uh it comes out texas has announced uh the, the through the sports information director that um viewers would be the starter now it was a weird deal too, because they had like three different players, like going, doing, doing media that day. And I guess he just kind of came out in the middle of it and said, and it made this announcement, you know, Sark didn't, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, their head coach wasn't involved from what I can tell. Uh, you know, Ewers had teased something the night before, like, Oh, big news or, you know, something big coming tomorrow, that type of thing. But, and then he tweeted out like, uh, players tribune article but it was from back in may so like it was just all very very strange you know and then you start hearing stuff like oh well thursday afternoon uh ewers killed it in the red zone in their practice in their practice where it's and like apparently that maybe won him over i don't know um and then they had a scrimmage yesterday and not surprisingly uh, the word was, you know, he looked, you know, yours looked sharp. He looked good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, who knows? It's the kind of thing, though, where. I mean. The way that it happened with Sark, not like making the announcement himself or whatever. I mean, it, it just it's just strange. And I mean, you know, Texas has the typical meddling has boosters that we've all that we all know and love and so you know this is going to give some kind of rise or spark some of the uh, conspiracy theories you know that somebody got on got got the sark and was like hey you're not doing this like you know play the kid but yeah i mean just looking at texas football twitter they have still not made an announcement on who the starting quarterback is <laughs> like on them on the actual uh, football their actual main page which usually you would see something like that 
communicated out pretty cleanly and clearly. <laughs> like yeah. there's usually a message behind it. You know, in in you know, just I, I don't know how much we've all dug into different pay sites and stuff, but the things that I've heard between the two is hard card seems to have a better command of the offense, but he's not explosive um and kind of potentially limits. But then uh Ewers throws a lot of interceptions, but he also throw ball real far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's like who do you the go? The ceiling, with? you understand it, right? Like the ceiling with Ewers is is gotta be higher. I mean, we all saw card last year. I mean, it wasn't much to write home about. Um, and so from that standpoint, if you feel like they're close, you know, or, or similar, you know, it makes sense to start, you know, it makes sense to start yours. And also, I mean, you have a potential situation similar to what you had last year at OU, right. With Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams there, if card comes out and struggles, uh, in those early home games, but, um, I, it just, it just went down weird. And the fact that it like Sark wasn't there to like talk about the decision or anything like that. Just very strange. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, if card couldn't beat out Thompson last year um, while he was in, you know, and they kept trotting him out there being injured and banged up and things like that. I truly thought this was going to be like last year. Again, I thought it was going to be, you, you have card out there for the two games, mm-hmm. maybe one to get prep, one to get into the system of it two for week one and week two is somebody's got to get tackled a whole bunch against Alabama. (laughs) Why not? Why not be the guy we're really excited about? Uh, But now it's going, now it's going to be some, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's that cliche. If you've got two, you've got none on the quarterback side of things. Um, I I would just be concerned. I would just be concerned if I'm a Texas fan that like, Ewers couldn't wasn't like the definitive starter. You know what I yes, mean? Like one hundred percent. That would make me concerned. Yeah, and especially it'd make me concerned too if I was a Texas fan. I, I would like there to be a better, like you said, it's definitive. Like you said, he wasn't definitively better, wasn't head and shoulders above. But even just on the decision making process of one practice caused it to flip that way. Like we're not. <laughs> it's the same things. Like I know the. Um, I think it was a Drew. Who's the um the Chargers head coach Stanley? Is that right? Oh, Nate Stanley isn't his name. Yes, it's if the, the all the all the fourth downs in that playoff game where he, he missed like four out of five or something. It's like, well, just make the decision. It's okay to make the decision over the long term of it. It's going to be okay. Just in this moment, it didn't seem that way. But you know, everyone online is like, each each every decision was like a small microcosm of, but they weren't looking at the full picture. And it's the same thing here. It's like if it truly came down to one thing. Then I still, I mean, yeah, you have no confidence. And if you know Sark has it announced on his Twitter, Texas football has it on their Twitter. It just, I'm going to be full conspiracy theory. It just makes it seem like Sark's kind of like, okay, fine, whatever. You guys pick this. <laughs> I'll just roll it out. It's kind of like, like a a baseball manager kind of getting the lineup from the uh, front office. <laughs> like, <laughs> fine, sure, cool, we'll play them. Like, uh, wasn't like I think I did saw when I was looking to see like, um, if Card was actually name the starter or anything i saw steve sarkeesian say like not even 24 hours before the sid stepped in that he was like no it's still a competition like they're still you know we're, we're still figuring it out like yeah like i have an idea but yeah i have an idea but still figuring it out and then yeah it was almost like the sid was like oh yeah and steve sarkeesian forgot to say <laughs> that, uh, that, um, actually Quinn Ewers is a starter I know what he just said but he actually forgot to say uh, so I'm just saying it for him no it's just it's the same same old thing with Texas man like everyone like everyone says there's there's too many too many cooks in the kitchen that think they need to be making decisions for the football team that aren't on the football staff like it's just it's crazy man it's not gonna get it's not gonna get any better with when all that stuff happen like with all that stuff happening i don't care really who's in charge unless you get mac brown again like for, yeah. but but you know 20 years ago mac brown yeah yeah and, and then the other the other big news out of texas that was shining some shared some spotlight was the uh Bichon's new mustard line so <laughs> we're, we're doing good there uh texas does have does seem to have the complete priorities uh as they need to be as a uh, money laundering uh front instead of an actual college football team <laughs> Uh, continuing on now uh, for actual OU football talk, because everyone here wants to hear about uh, 
the stat nerds uh, over at ESPN, Bill Conley, friend of the pod. I love being able to say that. He's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, drop the latest and final SB plus numbers uh, before the season kicks off. And I just had them, but then I erased them mm-hmm. from my mind. But ES, uh, ESPN SB plus has OU at fourth. Does that mean we're making the playoffs? Can I start booking the 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 uh, tickets now for whatever playoff uh, projections a fourth seed is going to be in there, Alan? Uh, I would hold off on that, but uh, and hater, you know, looking. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm looking. I'm looking at him right now, though, and you know, like this translates into projected wins, right? So, like, Bill has OU fourth, and that, but that's nine point eight wins, right? So he mm-hmm. has like ten point four for Ohio. So, I mean, nine point eight, and then like Clemson nine point six, Michigan nine point four, uh, pardon me, nine point six, Notre Dame nine point four. So you go down the list, right? So if you think about it as you know stacking wins, I you know OU's pretty tightly bunched there with a bunch of teams in terms of how their record will end up looking at the end of the year. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind here too is that uh, the interesting thing, at least, is that the gap between let's see here between Alabama and Ohio State, the gap is two and a half points, right? Or or S and P plus of thirty two point two versus twenty nine point seven. There's a 7.2 point gap between Ohio State at three and OU at four. So, yes. I mean, we're saying there's a definitive top three here now. And the gap between, let's see here. So, if we were if we were trying to size up the gap between three and four versus four and what's below, OU would be. I think it's like 15th. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, between there and like 15. So. In other words, you got a lot of teams really tightly bunched up there um, between in that in that whole space. So it's not exactly as definitive as it sounds. Now, I will say in my if I want to I want to put the big, big homer cap on. Like you said, we have rounding out the top three, Alabama, one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three. Those are the three. They're right there at the top of the pecking order, followed very closely by Oklahoma, Clemson, Michigan, no. Small drop in, uh, to A&M. So many a two-point drop from Notre Dame to Texas A&M. But let's say there's a top seven. The good thing for Oklahoma is that Michigan plays Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame plays Clemson. I mean, some of these – Georgia plays out. So there is some chance for some chaosy type stuff when it comes to actually like the in, you know ranking instead of uh, power ranking, you know, whatever I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I can't – you know what I mean. I can't, I can't articulate correctly right here. There is a decent amount of chaos with this top group that OU could benefit from while not necessarily being a top three football team. Uh, I think the highest team OU plays is Oklahoma State, which uh, rounds out at number 19 at the moment, followed by Texas at 22, and then the next one being uh, Baylor 30, Kent, uh, Kansas State yeah. 33, Nebraska somewhere 44. So, I mean, o- OU has the much more of a cakewalk of a schedule compared to the uh those other bunched up teams who are fighting for that four spot if OU is going to play as if they have the number four offense and number 21 and we'll talk about this <laughs> number yeah. 21 defense uh if they play it that way they have more they've got I think more of a clean runway schedule wise compared to the other ones I mean what do you yeah. what do you think about that Alan <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think you got a good point there. You know, I mean, this is saying Oklahoma is four points better, I guess. No, pardon me, more than that. Almost seven points better than Oklahoma State, almost eight points better, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be the best team, you know, their next best opponent or, you know, their best, their best opponent. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a pretty fortunate break, you know, I mean, like Alabama and Georgia, I don't believe they're on the regular season schedule this year, but they would have to play each other in the yeah. SEC championship, right? And then, you know, you think about like, then you look at low like Utah at 12, they're, they're 16.5, right? So I'm looking who the next team on there, they've got Florida in the non-conference and that's 26. Oh no, Oregon, so 14. Yeah, so that, you know, that's another one. I think he's got Utah's projected wins at 9.2. Um, so yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think you got a good point there in terms of the path being clear. I mean, 
for for OU versus other teams. You know, there's a there's a big assumption though that we were that you kind of alluded to there in the defense numbers, right? And that's that Bill has OU's defensive SP plus at nineteen point four, which would be good for twenty first overall. Um, that's a pretty big jump from last year, I believe, when they were in like the mid to low fifties, maybe. Um, and part of that is driven by um, the fact that OU has so many transfers coming in who had a lot of, who brought a lot of production with them and had a lot of experience there. And returning production is clearly part of the formula. So there's a question as to, you know, how much of a, you know, how much should that really weigh in how you're, how you're projecting this team out? Yeah, that's the stuff to, I mean, and and then I think that it's it's not also that not all transfers are made equal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing these guys up from lower conferences or lower uh, even just divisions of football, and we're kind of plugging them in. You know, it's uh, the Tulane transfers. Is he going to be able to play at a level in which OU needs him to play? Uh, I, I'm assuming within the two deep of the rotation to be there is uh, are the cornerback you know secondary players who are taking a big step up you know uh, schedule wise will they be able to do these things uh, in my projected depth chart i see most of those guys as being de- uh, talent depth talent guys so i don't think you're i'm i'm not fully expecting them to be true difference makers so maybe there's a difference there but yeah ou is rewarded for that and you go all the way down just because for for shits and giggles we go all the way down to 46 then we see usc they're only at 46. They are they have a ton of transfers coming in, but I'm assuming most of those transfers not having the same number of tackles and stuff like that. They're mm-hmm. getting to uh, the raw stat number. And I think we would all agree USC is probably, I know it's going to be heartbreaking, probably better than the 46th uh, overall uh, team. So you can see there's some disparity of how teams are being rewarded via the types of transfers they are taking in. So this doesn't necessarily take in the talent of the transfer. Um more of just accounting number that OU is benefiting from. Um, that said, I think OU is probably in that four to seven range anyway, <laughs> just with the talent mm-hmm. on roster and everything. Do, do we agree if the 9.8 projected wins is, isn't that really close to what you had, Alan? Very close. Yeah. I had like 9.7. So um, yeah, it's pretty much dead on. And with uh, having a projection of seven, um, seven conference wins, so that means he expects two losses. Strange. Wonder who he'd lose to. Um, well, I mean, you know, what is it? He has it seven point two. Is that 7. right? Seven point one. Yeah. Seven point one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I guess you know you're looking at. Uh, I mean, I don't think it would be a matter so much of you're going to lose to this team necessarily as well. There's yeah. a there's a 55% chance you're going to win this game and a 55% chance you're going to win this game, which works out to really 1.1 win, right? Yes. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective for the guys, everyone listening, Alabama and Georgia, their their uh, projected conference wins are respectively 6.7 and 6.8. Now, <laughs> because they're playing tougher, tougher team stuff, but I think everyone here would agree Alabama and Georgia are going to win more than – Seven conference. I mean, how many conference games do they play? Well, no, they only play eight. So they only you know, play eight. Really, yeah. you're 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 just saying they're, they, they're baking one loss in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. you look at the SEC West though by his numbers, and Bill I think has everyone. Them all. Yeah, like let's see here, Mississippi State. Let's see here. Oh, I'm looking. Sorry, pardon me. Top fifteen, Bama, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Arkansas. So you got five in the top 14, right? And then the mm-hmm. other question would be like Mississippi State. I don't know where they are. They're 20. 20. Auburn at 21. And Auburn at 20. So you've got all, you've got seven, all seven teams in the top 21. Yeah, that's, that's tough sledding. I mean, if there's, if there's yeah. a year for it to happen, but the thing is like, we, we can say that, as you said, Auburn is projected as the 24th on here. This is predictive. Uh, at, at at 21st at a they would be better if they would be 14.4 points better than your perfectly average football team that's what mm-hmm. he has there and alabama would be 32.2 points better than the average football team so maybe 
yeah, they play a tougher schedule, but does it matter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, th- that's the point there. And then Georgia, man, it's just, these teams are just so super stacked. It, it's just going to be interesting to see who does poke into this stuff. And can this be the year the fourth seed doesn't just get totally boat raced uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. by one this, of these top If, three if you're going by these numbers, it doesn't bode well. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to add for the, I mean, just the, the transfer stuff? I mean, do we think these transfers coming in, because they're kind of like floating up this number here, the 20, because I think the offense is, I don't know, you're, you're getting Dylan Gabriel, but I think we'd all assume Dylan is good. Uh, yeah. So OU is projected at 21st overall defense, which would I would be so unbelievably happy oh, if yeah. you had a, <laughs> a borderline top 20 defense. Uh, but it is being bolstered up just by raw counting numbers of, uh, you know, just G5 starter had 300 tackles and those 300 tackles are now being added in. But who he got those tackles against, how he got them, that part's not being kind. You, it's that's a little too subjective versus objectivity of of this is a pure raw numbers there. Do you think there's a point in us worrying a little bit, seeing this number, seeing 21 overall, and do we think we we need to like back off of it a little bit and say that's a cool number? Let's wait. Let's just wait. Right. I uh, especially on the defense. Yes, I I would wait. I would wait. I I, I agree that the defense improves, uh, just because there's really nowhere to go but up for the defense with the way they've performed. Uh, oh, I feel like I've, I feel like I've said that before. No, <laughs> no, no, say, the last seven <laughs> years, Absolutely. the last seven years. Yes. <laughs> and um, it keeps going down. Right. <laughs> but now I think with Brent coming in, Brent, Todd Bates, all those guys coming in. I just, I don't think it could get worse. Honestly, I just don't see that those guys uh, settling for worse. Um, so I, I don't know. I, as far as the transfers go, I mean, I get it. I saw where Bill said that they, that, um, USC was like unrankable basically. Like he just didn't know what to do with them basically. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, we can, we can all agree that Caleb Williams is an absolute stud. Like he's a star. Like he should definitely, that should definitely count like for something for some sort of like returning value with him going to USC. So that, that should make some sense. And then like, even then we know, we saw what Jeffrey Johnson did to OU. Like as far Ooh. as like yeah. transferring in, we saw what he did to Oklahoma to their offensive line. He was like best player on the field in that second half, basically. Um, so I, I don't know, man. The the SP plus stuff, like I said, I told you guys before the show. Like, I I get the I get it in principle. I get the very basics of it. I'm not uh, I'm not by any means an expert. So I'm sure like once we get more. I don't know, more familiar with, or once Bill, I'm sure gets more familiar with the transfer portal and all that stuff, like, and how to kind of calculate that stuff. I'm sure he'll be better at like figuring that stuff in. Well, when do we, when do we open our hearts to the defense? <laughs> when, when do we open our, our ability to want to will this team to be in a good defense? At what point in time, what game marker do you need to see OU continue to perform well in for you to say, okay, I'm okay with just believing this is a good defense. Because let me take you, um, let me, let's go back to the Wayback Machine. Uh, in 2017, I really thought that defense had fixed itself after the Ohio State game. Yeah, And then the two-lane held them to 14 and everything. And then the rest of the season happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought, this is it. We, we took Ohio State, always good, and just basically shut them down. And then it just fell apart immediately the moment they hit conference play. I mean, what what is a what is the game that you guys would like to see? Okay, we've gotten past this test. OU's gotten past this test. This is kind of who they are. I can believe in it. Like I can now set a level of expectation. For me, it'd be like the first six games because you know, I mean, like Kent State actually has a decent offense. Mm-hmm. You know, so you will get to take a, you'll get a look at that. TCU, in my opinion, is one of the best offenses, maybe next to OU and well, pardon me, I guess Texas also. But TCU, point being, TCU has a really good offense, and then Kansas State is going to be a, a switch up, you know, in terms of what they're doing offensively with uh, Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. So how they handle those, you know, different styles and all that firepower, and then of course Texas. So six games. Hey, for six me, games. for me, it. They gotta, they gotta show me something against K State. The first, uh, the first Big Twelve game of the season. 
Right. That has to be the K State is what they've won two last two out of three against OU. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and Skylar Thompson's throw had career days every single time that he played <laughs> OU. Like, I mean, and, and like like Deuce Vaughn is that good of a player. Like he's gonna get his majority like more often than not. So it, as long as you can kind of keep him from going just absolutely crazy. But as far as like not only that, too, this is where we bring in the you know, them them changing the kind of mentality of this defense. The Kansas State's been just pushing around OU for like the last three years since Kleiman got there. They've just been bullying OU, their defensive line. Uh, they're, sorry, Kansas State's offensive line. They've been bullying OU's defensive line for about three years now. Like, and that just that just can't happen anymore. So for me, I got to see some mentality change and not getting bullied by Kansas State. Man, maybe I'm just like a complete sucker. I, I I'm even sooner. <laughs> uh, if they if they look good against Nebraska, that's all I'm asking. Just like look good against Nebraska, then I can say okay. Because I don't want to go like the full solid verbal by December. We should know who these teams are. No, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean Nebraska has a chance. I mean they're projected to be. Let me find them again. Projected to be the 33rd best defense, and then Kansas State. You turn around, and you play the 20. You know projected predictive uh, 23rd best defense so OU is going to have a chance to play two stiff teams fairly back fairly close and kind of understand that way uh TCU's a little bit further down here now the offense should look great against CCU apparently according to these numbers but you you it's kind of that inverse OU is going to be playing two teams that are more defensively minded and then a transition change of uh, all offense like almost a half team so seeing how OU kind of navigates flipping those two of having to play different styles, I guess, to kind of against the schedule, you're not playing against the same team, will be kind of interesting. But to me, if OU can just look stout, uh, you know, on the line against uh, Nebraska, I, I'm ready to buy in. <laughs> that's that's the fandom of of Peyton Guthrie, I guess. Uh, you guys are much uh, much smarter than I am, more logical. <laughs> Uh, and now let's get into the the meat and the potatoes of this. We're going to start naming names next to positions. Uh, uh, Alan really wanted to go into uh, his idea for this uh, episode was to talk about the uh, depth chart, what we think, um, stepping through stuff. Um, Alan, I want to let you kind of uh, drive the bus on this, oh, all right. this okay. section of it because uh, I am to- I am dreadful at like wide receiver X and wide receiver okay. Y and keeping all that stuff in my brain. Sure, uh, sure. So we're going to talk about the depth chart, who we think is going to go where. Uh, do we want to give all three and see what's going on there? Oh, gosh. I, I didn't even try with the special teams. but Oh, uh, not special we, teams. I mean all three of us. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, why don't we just throw out positions and we'll go that way. All so, right. all right. We'll start off. Okay. Uh, we'll, let's, we'll go ahead and do the offense first. And we'll start off on the line. I like doing that, you know, kind of a different approach. On the line. We'll start off at center. Uh, I've got first team is Rain, second team is uh, Conjol, and third as Nate Anderson. I don't think that that's there's a lot to uh, dispute there, right? No, that's that's pretty much who I have. Those two. I mean, uh, a three deep. You're going you're going madness there. Yeah, uh, I was about to say yeah, I only yeah. I only had two. I was yeah, only going two. We'll stay with you. Yeah, I think yeah, Andrew uh, Conjol. I mean, those are the two, uh, and I think Conjol's probably going to be some sort of like a, a swing guy to a certain degree if they need guys to kind of walk in there. But yeah, a- Andrew's the dude who's he's going to be holding that down, um, hopefully for the this year and hopefully for next year. <laughs> uh, yeah. If, and, yeah. Unless he has a fantastic year, but I think we probably have him on on the line a little bit. Matt, you think it's Andrew and and Conjol as well? Yeah, that's exact same. No, all right, no complaints there. Okay, left guard. I have McCade Matower first string. And then you kind of get into this deal where it's like, how do we want to do this in terms of like, can you only use one guy in one place? Because you might hear Conjol getting moved over to left guard on occasion, yeah. or um, you might hear, I don't know, Savion Bird's name has been brought up as potentially playing guard some this year. I just put Marcus Alexander there in the second spot because uh, I went back and looked at the spring game. That's where he played. So <laughs> that's who they were playing there. So that's what I went with. All right. Yeah. I've got McCade as well. And then, as you said, it's kind of just a, a crapshoot of who's going to be that, that kind of swing guard type of a guy who kind of goes back and forth. Uh, it could be, like you said, anywhere from Conjol. Um, I think the thing I'm looking at right in front of me, um, Bray Walker might be a name there potentially. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm going to say Bray just to, just to have a different name there. Uh, at left guard. 
So McCade and Bray. Yeah, I'm going McCade and uh, Conchal. Going McCade right. and Conchal. I think they'll lean on more uh, more experience if if McCade goes down. Right. Right. Okay. So then right guard. Now there might be some questions here, right? Because I've got, I mean, I've still got Chris Murray and then I've got Walker here. And that was just based again on how they, how that broke down really in the spring game. But a lot of people are pushing Savion Bird in this spot saying that he's played really well in, uh, in, you know, August camp and might be pushing for this job. So that's who I have. I've got a bird. I've been listening to the tea leaves. Uh, I'm, uh, um, I'm, uh, if you guys want to support uh, two different Patreons, one support ours uh, mm-hmm. through the keyhole and also red dirt sport uh, is a great one. I think we plug in basically everyone uh, and he's never plugged us. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> lot, lots, lots of Twitter love uh, from red dirt for us, but yeah, th- there's a lot of scuttlebutt uh, about Savion bird making the push here. And I've got him and then, uh, Chris Murray right there as, uh, as our right guard guys. I also have Savion Bird and Chris Murray us. at right guard. From everything I've heard, like I mean, I also support Red Dirt Sport, but like talking to like uh, Eddie Radosovich, who's like at practice and stuff, doing that, he said that like basically Savion Bird's going to be too talented for them to not like be on the field. Like they're they're going to have to find a spot for Savion Bird. So this is kind of where I where I went at right guard. All right. Yeah. No, you guys don't have to, uh, you guys don't have to talk me into it. I am definitely ready to move Savion Bird into that spot uh, in part because I feel pretty good about the tackles. So let's go ahead and hit those, those two spots up. Uh, first up we have left tackle. I have, this is where I have Anton Harrison starting and then Guyton, Tyler Guyton from T, the TCU transfer, who is another one that is uh, making waves apparently. Uh, exact same number for exact same names for me. Um, uh, Tyler just it's it's wild. He's one I kind of have. I'm trying in my mind to pump the brakes on just slightly because he is so raw. But mm-hmm. everyone is talking about this dude like that. He's he's NFL guy. He always got to do is figure it out. And apparently the light has you know the switch has been flipped for him. The thing is, you he has a more talent. You know, maybe not more talented, but more experienced guy at left tackle. Anton already there. Uh, so those are the two I have just it's I've I've totally bought into the Savion Bird stuff so I want him to start a Tyler Guyton I don't know if I bought into all the hype but he's the name I'd put there at left at left tackle as a two deep I think if Anton actually goes down I'm not for sure if they'd stick with Tyler I think they would have to figure something else at the spot but as a rotational guy I think he's the guy if that makes sense so yeah I've I've got I've got the same two I didn't really buy into you know, making the big deal out of uh, Brent not saying <laughs> Anton Harrison when he was l- listing off the linemen. I didn't, I didn't buy too much into that. He said nine guys and then only said four of them. So who knows if like Anton Harrison was like, <laughs> yeah. if Anton Harrison was, he's probably one of the nine guys. Like I- I'm yeah. not reading too much into it. I think Anton Harrison, Tyler Guyton, those are your two. All right. Now then right tackle. Um, this is kind of the Wani e. Morris to me is an easy call at, on first string. Then the, uh, the other, the guys behind him, again, you could see bird potentially swing over here if they really mm-hmm. need him. Right. You could also, uh, they've talked about the freshman, uh, Jake Taylor and Jake Sexton a lot. So, um, I put Aaron parks at second team, but that was again, just based on what I saw from the spring game. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, at that second string, but first string to me seems like it's wrapped up. Yeah, I've got I've got uh Morris here as well. I think that's just like the easy call. I think that's I think that the starting five we have here is just the easiest call of all of them. Um and then it's a backup. I think I have penciled in Nate Anderson just to have a different name there. Um just I mean six five, two ninety-five, you know, he's big enough, yeah. everything. Uh, but as I said. I think on the tackles, like I'm good at the front line guys and I'm good at the back line guys as rotational guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, if those guys have to end up starting, I think you start, I think you, let's say Wanya Morris goes down for extended period of time. I think they move bird from right guard to right tackle and they move Murray up. I and mean, they, they, those guys wouldn't be starters by anything. They'd, they'd shuffle the line around. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I have. I have one name more starting Savion Bird backing him up because they'll just move Chris Murray in and, and feel yeah. probably pretty good about it. All right. Tight ends. Um, 
I've got Willis one and Daniel Parker two. I can't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, questions here. Um, you know, they're, they're very different players though. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah. is there anybody, is there, I, I mean, is there any chance we see them on the field at the same time? That's what I was going to say. I have these as two separate positions, but they'd be, but they're one position, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of how it always, it's kind of how it was last year as well. I have Braden Willis as this H backy type, and then uh, Daniel Parker as a true inline tight end. Um, I think you'll be see them both on the field a lot, and then um, one one of the freshman kids is is going to be in there at some point in time potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what Caden and Llewellyn? I think one yeah. of them are going to be. Well, they'll see they'll see the field, especially. I, I think we're going to see OU play big uh, a decent amount of time to kind of counteract some of the uh, physicality that OU is being pushed around that Matt kind of mentioned earlier, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any drama at that position. I think it's Brayden and I think it's Daniel. Yep. Completely. Agree. Matt's got something. No, oh, completely right. agree. Completely. Agree. All right. <laughs> all right. So moving over the wide receiver positions, I kind of, I broke these out. I've got three slots here, three, three, pardon me, three positions here for wide receiver. I've got the X, which is, uh, you know, and then the Z, those are the two outside guys. Right. And uh, just based on what I've seen, they don't necessarily move those guys around much and they kind of just stay on the same side of the field. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're playing the X, I'm that's on the left side. If you're playing the Z, I've got you on the right side. Okay. Then I've got um, the third, the third position I have is the slot. Um, so we'll go ahead and just start there. And to me, this is one, I mean, this is tailor made for Marvin Mims. Yes. Um, just based on what you saw uh, Lebby's offense doing at uh, Ole Miss, he hit that slot position a lot, used it, moved him around a lot, did a lot of different things with him. I think that it, I think that's where we're going to see Mims. And then I have Drake Stoops as the number two behind Mims there. Yes, on the slot, I've got, if that's where we're going to put Mims, uh, Mims is a slot guy, uh, Drake being uh, right there behind him. Unless they go four wide, then Drake becomes that. That mm-hmm. other receiver that um man right. who was the who was the receiver that uh Kyler Murray's only threw touchdowns to uh, that oh, position uh, Lee Morris <laughs> Lee yes Moore, Lee, yeah. the Lee Morris position that's gonna be Drake Stoops. All right, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, the same, the same. Like okay. I said, if we if wherever we were putting Mims, that's yeah, he's obviously he's obviously one. Like he's obviously yeah. going to be there. So yeah, I, I like that. All right, so the X position, this is one of the outside receivers. I have Theo Weiss here, uh, backed up by Jaden Gibson. Yeah, that's what I've got too as well. I mean, that's where uh, uh, Theo was at the spring game. He was out there. He looked mm-hmm. okay at the spring game. I'd like to see him what he looks like now. Um, I know that one busted play, he wasn't able to fully separate and like, yeah. kind of leave everyone behind, which kind of made me think, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that, but – he needs he's going to be your 10 to 15 yard guy in my opinion i don't think you're going over the top to theo too often um and then gibson i mean they're they're hyping him up a lot uh he's someone who i thought there'd be a i mean he need like a year just because he just is uh a string bean type thing but mm-hmm. at a wide receiver if you're that tall and you're that fast you can make it work yeah i got yeah. the same too same okay. too all right moving on to z this one's tough for me, actually. I have Farouk as mm-hmm. the on the first line, but I have no idea who would be backing him up. I mean, you know, again, it's possible they could slide over Drake Stoops here or Jaden Gibson if you know they're looking for a rotation. But if there was one other guy to put in there, I, I don't know who it would be right now. Yeah, I really haven't heard anything other than Farouk's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I haven't heard anyone you'd have there at that spot. I had um I- I had maybe Nick Anderson. Yeah, that's a that was one that came to mind for me. I'd been, I mean, I'd been hearing good things about him. And then yeah. we saw another one, maybe like if you're gonna put him on the outside, maybe hit him over the top, maybe Trayvon West. I mean, because he's just yeah. a fat just fast, just fast as hell. So yeah. Um, but I, mean, I would lean yeah. Anderson. I've heard good things about him. Right. Yeah. And that's that's another one's probably now it's kind of weird that we haven't heard that much about the two transfers, though. I mean, you know, that they wouldn't break into this. Unit. completely I mean, forgot Hester, completely forgot right the transfer, but like, yeah but like have you heard anybody talking about them like from practice i mean i i haven't so like no not at all especially like hester 
I mean, him and yeah. Nick are somewhat similar. They're both six four, both basically yeah. two hundred pounds. If they're going to be somewhere, that's where they would be. And like Hester, he would be. I mean, maybe you can't. You don't hear a lot about Hester because everyone's like, "Well, that's just Drake." I mean, I said he'd he'd be playing the Drake soup spot, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just give it. You know, Drake's going to be there. So, I mean, you really haven't heard anybody, but you know, it's Mims, Farouk, Theo. Gibson and Stoops, and those are your guys. Yeah, never mind. Uh, give me, give me role. Hester instead of Anderson backing up for Rip. Ooh, got a different name. Just, okay. just that. Yeah, we're having someone different, and okay. I don't know. I don't know if they're rolling out two freshmen. I think one would be like one with Jaden Gibson will, will be enough. Maybe Nick Anderson's turn. He'll, he'll, he'll come quick mm-hmm. enough. All right, quarterback. Um, I have Gabriel <laughs> and then Bevel. Yeah, right. Any, yep. okay. clean sweep. Yep, clean right. sweep. All right. And then running back, I have Eric Gray on the one line, and then I have Marcus Major two. What do you guys think? I think it's going to say Eric Gray or Marcus Major, but I it's going to be it that, it's going to be yeah. in that one too. Yeah. It's going to be the one two. And then Javante Barnes is your uh, third guy. You the know very... what though? He's he, Barnes has been uh, apparently he's had some injury issues, hasn't he? Really? Is what I've heard. Yeah. So Damn. I mean, he might. I know be Sawchuck has been getting Sawchuk. a lot of. Yeah, I know yeah. Sawchuck's beginning like major, major rage stuff. But I thought maybe it's because they're trying to give somebody else a different <laughs> a, yeah. a different chance in the spotlight. All right. So we'll go ahead and move over to the defense here now. Um, and this is kind of a mess because like a lot of these positions are very interchangeable, or there's it's not entirely clear who's playing where. Um, so I'll go ahead and start off first up the no I just I called it the nose tackle position because it seemed to be that that they had these guys closest to the ball. Um, I have Jeff Johnson first, and then I had Corey Roberson second, but I mean, you know, you could probably move the, move somebody else in there. Yeah. No tackle. I've got, uh, you know, Jeffrey Johnson and uh, Isaiah Coe behind him uh, just as another big person. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's, I think it's Jefferson there. Uh, I don't think there's anything else he could be. Yeah, I had the exact same as Peyton. I had Coe's my second, but yeah. um, and it also depends. Like, too, I was again, we were talking to uh, or I was talking to Eddie uh, on the radio a couple weeks ago, and it was like he he was he could not stop saying good things about Kelvin Gilliam. So, wherever they want to put Kelvin Gilliam, I, I have him coming mm-hmm. up next, but he's been saying nonstop good things about him. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he was playing kind of that no spot, kind of. I mean, the thing is, is like I didn't, I couldn't pick up any rules on how they were saying the defense right. from the spring. Yeah. So, like, it's hard to, it's hard to say if they're going to have one guy closer to the nose or, or, or not. Uh, for the defensive tackle position, generally this will be the three tech. Uh, I have Redmond here, and then I had Co here, but I mean, again, we can kind of, uh, you know, I'm open to suggestions on how to, how to play that. Yeah, I've got um. I've got Redmond there as well. And I think I have Jordan Kelly there as, as the backup mm-hmm. there. And like you said, it, those two are somewhat like the rules of it all. If when it's a three down versus when it's a true four down, I'm assuming yeah. we're looking at this as a four, three as its main base. Uh, but I, I know we're going to walk into some weirdness uh, here in a second after yeah, we get out of these yeah. two defensive tackles. Yeah, no, I'm going Jalen Redmond and uh, Kelvin Gilliam okay. here. I'm just, I'm, I'm buying the hype. I'm buying the hype. Yeah. You know, we don't talk about guys like Jeff Ellison either, and he's still there. I mean, they're pretty deep at these at these spots, which is, you know, uh, kind of surprising given what they lost. Um, okay, so I just called these – I just called this right defensive end and left defensive end because I didn't see him switching much up here. Uh, for right defensive end, I have Ethan Downs uh, on the first line and Jonah Laulu right behind him. Yep. That, that same same exact thing. I think that's that that's gonna that's how it's gonna work out. I don't think I don't see anyone else uh, taking those spots. Yeah, agree. Okay, all right. Uh, left defensive end. I had Reggie Grimes and Marcus Stripling. One two. Uh, exact same. same and, here. Uh, there's there's a big smile on my face again. Nothing wrong. I, I keep saying this on the public podcast too. I think. I think on certain very pass rush heavy uh, sets, Stripling's going to get that. Uh, he's going to be coming in as that special pass mm-hmm. rush specialist. Uh, but honestly, I think it's Richard Grimes. I have Stripling there, but I could also see uh, um, the Hawaii kid kind of bouncing between left and right, um, if need be. Uh, if if like if Grimes were to go down, I think Jola Lalalula, how we say his name, mm-hmm. uh, would be inserted there just for the size. And then Stripling is still your 
your backup pass uh, specialist guy. Yeah. Now one name too, that I want to bring up though, with these two spots is Clayton Smith. Um, True. I, I, you know, I've heard he's shown flashes in camp. Is that enough to break into the rotation? I don't know, but it's worth bringing up. I think. Um. All right. Uh, the Mike linebacker, right? So this one is easier to pick. A kind of set rules. Uh, this is the guy that is, you know, playing to the uh, field side of the formation or the strength of the form offensive formation. Here, I had a hard time with this one. I went back and forth for a while because there could be some different ways to change these spots up but i went danny stuntsman on line one and the second line i have a guaybu uh matt i'll let you take this next one you go next okay uh i had i had it flipped i have a guaybu uh first and then and then stutzman okay all right uh i had danny uh danny stutzman starting uh and then a giant question mark of who would be behind him uh, <laughs> I think they're going to have some, 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 it's like a guy who plays either or. Um, so the, because the thing is I have David on uh, starting on the weak side. Uh, so <laughs> I don't okay. quite know who's going to be backing up on, on, uh, on the middle. Okay. Got it. So, yeah. Okay. So we'll, let's go with that. We're kind of got some, some funkiness there. Right. So then for the will linebacker, this is the spot lining up to the uh, boundary. I had Deshaun White and then Shane Witter in the second line, but it sounds like we've got some p- potential questions here. Yeah, that's where I've got a. I'm trying to think right here. Let, let me pull up my handy dandy. What does the same linebacker do? Uh, well, this is the will. <laughs> the will, yes, yes. So what I have in mind because we're going to get. So then I have. So let's say it this way: I've got in the middle Danny Stutzman backed up by Witter. And a weak side, David Iguabu backed up by Witter. Okay, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I got I got Deshaun White, and then um, I, I had the, I had the same as you, Alan. Deshaun White mm-hmm. and uh, Witter backing him okay. up. Okay. All right. So so here's the here's the interesting part where it gets real weird, right? Because then we've got the Sam linebacker, which is some you know also known as the cheetah, which some people call the Nickelback, right? So uh, the thing is, you could this is open to a lot of different style of player. And I know Teddy Lehman has mentioned on his podcast that they, that Deshaun white is working there a lot. Yep. Um, And so if you wanted to bump white out there, right? Like if you're, if you're saying he's the starting Sam, then you could theoretically play Stutzman and Aguebu on at the two interior positions and play white, at uh at that spot now that might leave you kind of open to uh getting burned and by the pass and you know because white would probably need some help there if he's got to cover a safety or probably a slot or something like that from that sam uh sam position but do you you know i the other option is you've got justin harrington there who's playing that more like a you know kind of strong safety hybrid type mm-hmm so in heavy down situations, so let's just, I'm going to call it your Sam linebacker, not the okay. cheetah position, but Sam linebacker position. So my starting three linebackers in a true four, three would be Stutzman in the middle backed up by Witter week would be uh David Oguibu backed up by Witter. And then I'd have a Deshaun white as your starting Sam. I don't think he has a true backup because I think it's such a hybridy type of spot. Now, if they do go to a three-two-six or a true four-two-five, I think you see Data Guaybu um, go to the sideline and Deshaun White become that now that weak sideline backer. If that were to make sense, I don't think Deshaun White ever leaves the field, uh, but I do think they have the two bigger linebackers as your interior guys, and then Deshaun White's your starting Sam linebacker. I like that. I, I, I like I like that a lot. I I just had Justin Harrington here for. Mm-hmm. You know, just that little cheetah position that, that yeah. has become so popular. <laughs> yeah, and then you know another name, of course, Canick is gets brought up here too. Um, and so we'll see if he's how they feel about him uh, early on. So All then right. to call it for my cheetah position, it's going to be Harrington would be the cheetah position. So however they okay. interchange true Sam linebacker and the cheetah spot, because I yeah. know it's kind of interchangeable or whatever. I'd have Harrington there backed up by Canick. Right. So just just for listeners' sake, uh, you know, 
the cheetah or Sam or whatever you want to call it is generally going to be lining up to the field side, to the strength of the formation. Um, and, you know, this is a player that's going to have to do some things in space. You're generally going to have him kind of buzzing to the flats or, um, you know, kind of playing that hook zone. Um, but he wouldn't necessarily uh, have to cover deep. Right. So, you know, if, if he's there and there's a, you know, lined up over a receiver, he's going to be playing uh, the underneath routes most likely. And then they'll have, he'll have help over the top. Um, you know, the question really, I think here is, you know, against a team, for example, like Kansas state, it seems to me like you'd want to be playing Deshaun white there. Right. Because it's a more of a run team. They're yes. going to be coming They're He's more likely to have to make, you know, kind of uh, tackle a guy like Deuce Vaughn in space uh, less, you know, his coverage skills are going to be less called on. Right. So that's kind of yeah. the way I see that breaking down. Yeah. So like, let's say OU's playing Nebraska, it would be in my mind, Danny, David, Deshaun. And then when they play TCU, it'd yeah. be Danny White Harrington. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's I see that. Yeah. All right. Um. L- okay. So left cornerback here, I have Woody Washington uh, and then uh, Jane Davis. Uh, those are two uh, I have two Jaden apparently has been like setting all kinds of he's been getting a lot of good pub pub uh, yeah. via the um, via the camp circuit uh, but uh, it's one of those like a clean slate I guess <laughs> but yeah, yeah he's 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 the guy I've got there just due to the amount of people talking about it mm-hmm. I got the same same too okay all right then right cornerback this one I have I have DJ Graham and then can I Walker here but I mean there's a this is this seems like it's in flux yeah i've got dj graham as well but uh man who knows after that (laughs) That, that, that's i'm having a hard time right i I got got graham yeah i got graham and cj colden but i just you just gotta throw one out there really like yeah well and that's what i was trying to figure out is because we haven't really seen colden yet you know what i mean but there's a lot of people kind of jockeying for that spot i mean can i walker as being one Josh Eaton is one that I mean I've heard Venables bring him up. He also he also looked pretty solid like in the spring, but um, you know you, the thing is is you mentioned Colden and you don't bring a guy like that in to like bury him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've got to think that he has some kind of role in this team at some point, right? I think he has to. I mean, him coming in after spring obviously set him back to a certain degree. But you have to have. I don't know. I mean, it's like, do you really bring that guy in for absolutely nothing? Yeah, you're right there. Maybe he's the name there yeah. <laughs> as that backup guy who can rotate in. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, strong safety. I've got Billy Bowman on the one line, and then uh, second string, I have uh, Harmon. Uh, yeah, Billy Bowman. That's a guy there for me. Um, yeah, again, you have to pay attention to how they're doing stuff. They're, they, they're hyping up Gibson and hyping up Bowman, both on these little highlight mm-hmm. videos we're sending out. Uh, I, I think that's a good spot for him. He can be kind of hanging out. He won't be asked to be kind of that run support dude as much like he was uh, earlier in that nickel spot and that weird little trend. Because again, that how Grinch had that yeah. his kind of quasi cheetah kind of a role there. Um, but yes, that's where I'd have, uh, I have those two as well. Yeah. I got Billy Bowman and I had Bryson Washington, but I think it's just, just you know whoever really mm-hmm. <laughs> at, yeah. the, at that point like we haven't yeah. really seen a whole lot of those guys anyway so yeah you know, strong safety you kind of want to be also be maybe be able to play some run support you know playing him again up to the uh to the field side of the formation um so that's yeah that's where i so then free safety i have key lawrence and then i have robert spears jennings running second string um again that's almost that's based on what we saw in the spring but i i think i feel pretty good about key lawrence at the free spot the question is uh who is the number two there same thing i have the exact same two i mean key is your guy i I think of your uh of your secondary guys key and woody are the two like for sure bets of the uh of the secondary Mm -hmm. those are the two there and that's like the I like the freshman, like uh, uh, RSJ. I think that's a, I think he's a good guy to, to to have there. Mooks maybe have a chance to be in there as well, but I think it's uh those two. That's uh the one and two, the same thing. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think Key Lawrence for sure. Clean sweep there, no surprises. Mm. Um, I I went a little different. I want to see Robert Spears Jennings. I mean, I saw him, <laughs> I remember saw him at the spring game. I was like, who is this kid? Like, who, how have he I never seen move, this kid? Man. And then I saw yeah. who it was. I was like, he's a freshman. Like, he's a true freshman. He looks the part. Absolutely. Uh, but just because I felt like I had to kind of throw him somewhere, I went for Trey Morrison. I know he's a smaller mm-hmm. guy, but playing that same, but he's just played a ton of football. Like, I, I just I couldn't really find a place for him anywhere else on the two deep. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll kind of throw him there and uh, just kind of as a guy who's just played a, just an S ton of football. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, you know, Bryson Washington might work into this position. I think also that's one to watch, but then uh, lastly, you know, I also threw a nickel in here just, yeah. just for whatever. And that's where I put Morrison. Ah, there we go. I didn't know. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll exactly. put him there. So I'll put him there. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I call it nickel. I imagine he'd really see the field more in dime packages. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that seems to be where he is. And then I also have Justin Broyles in that spot. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Those are my two. That's where they are. Uh, Trey Morrison and Broyles. Those are spots I'd have them in. Uh, and it's, you get so confusing. Cause like I have in my mind, if it's a true, if it's like a run pass type of team that you need both, you have that cheetah spot. Maybe that's where Jaden Rowe also kind of gets in there as mm-hmm. well. But as a true nickel slash dime, yeah, it's going to be Trey as your starter and then Justin Broyles. And I'm happy Broyles has a potential gets a, a swan song of a season, but hopefully it's uh we see Trey up there a lot more. Yeah. I'm not sure if we'll see. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Colton though, with Trey Morrison, like they brought him in for a reason, you know? I mean, yeah. so but uh, it, that's a that's a tough group. I, who would have thought, man? But it seems like secondary. There's a lot of competition there now, and I mean, I mean, a lot of guys that they they really seem to be high on there. So uh, lots to watch there. Yeah, that's my my only fear is like, is it like what we just how we started the show with the Texas quarterbacks? <laughs> is is a lot of competition a good thing sometimes? <laughs> yeah. Especially this close to the season. Not like we're not in the fortress. We don't know. They probably already have it. I, I don't know if there's that many battles kind of happening, or is it um Brent really kind of stoking the flames of we're competing until the very first snap of the season, you know, type of a thing, you know, that sort of thing. But um the secondary is the the one spot where I kind of feel I would really like to have a bunch. I'd really, I don't know, like uh, some scoop guy being like, this is it. These are your five. They've separated. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen. You know, like the linebackers, we had them in different spots, but we know it's those three. <laughs> the yeah. defensive line, we all kind of knew exactly who it should be. Offensive line, too, we haven't kind of shaped up a little bit differently, but we knew exactly who they were going to be. Um, the secondary is going to be uh, that first initial um uh, roster uh, depth chart release, which I think historically has happened on Thursdays before the game. I can't quite remember. Um, will be uh, uh, that that'll be the first part I look at. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I mean, I don't know, Matt. You you might be a little bit more plugged in on this. Do you have any idea if they're gonna like drop a depth chart anytime soon? Oh, I have zero clue. I'm sorry, <laughs> I have zero idea. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, no no idea, no idea. That seems the kind of, like the kind of thing that Venables would be all over, like you know, like you know, throwing it out there and being like, "These are our guys," you know, and, and really trying to stoke some uh, competitive fires out there. But um, we'll see. I'm excited, though, yeah. man. This is this was fun, and and you kind of get a better picture as you're going through this of what the team might look like. And I mean, I got I got pretty excited, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Once you, yeah, we're we're in the. Um... The, the stage of optimism, <laughs> the yeah, stage of yeah. all these guys are obviously going to be great. <laughs> no <laughs> one's going to regress. Everyone's going to get better. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where we are. And I, I think the uns- I think it's because there are some spots that are uncertain. Like I'm excited to see what that Sam slash Cheetah position looks like. You know, is yeah. do we have Deshaun White out there versus teams? And then it becomes like. I, I'm kind of excited to see that multi, the multiple the multiple side of of uh, Brent Venables and seeing yeah yeah we have a true Sam linebacker against Kansas State but against Texas we've got Justin Harrington out there and we've, we're moving one of the linebackers out I mean I'm interested to see how this kind of shapes and forms itself so that even though there's a system and there's a structure and a process to the defense 
it's not so rigid that you see the team get picked on, you know, because mm-hmm. you at times you could pick on Grinch because you, you kind of understood the constraints of his defense. Um, it doesn't seem like Brent is going to allow that to happen. Uh, and, and teams get picked on. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to pitch shutouts the entire time, but it does seem like there's at least answers to if a team is trying to do something, we've got a different body type to roll out there. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that that that's it yeah. for the uh, for the two deep. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Um, if you think if you've got your two deep or anything, uh, email us at key uh, keyhole sports at gmail.com. That'd be fantastic. Uh, let us know how wrong we were or how right you are. Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, I'll put this in the on... Patreon too. You know, I'll, or I'll, oh yeah, I'll send it over. And you can put it in the Patreon. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll post that. Um, uh, we can put make that part of the Monday post. Um, I'll be um, on the Patreon itself. We're going to, I've uh, got the, um, the writer for the Mac, the Mac conference from SB nation going to be talking about Kent state. Uh, what sort of players. I think we all can agree. OU should beat Kent state by a lot, uh, but he can at least give us a, a pulse of that football team and say, here's some guys who are good. And if you want to see, if you're wanting to judge OU's performance, you need to judge them against these positions, how well they're stacking up against these guys. Uh, that's something I'm interested in. And I'm trying, I'm working pretty hard of trying to find um, UTEP. Um, I'm trying to get in touch with their SID to see um, mainly to talk about the idea of paycheck games <laughs> and uh, how these smaller teams are trying to survive in the ever shifting landscape of realignment and taking bigger games and stuff like that as well. Um, and I'll try, I'll try to talk about that Kent state as well. Cause I don't know if you guys have looked at Kent state's uh, schedule um, at Maybe they had a they were running a deficit in the budget last year, but they're playing Georgia, Washington, and OU. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> those are three, but those are three body bag paycheck games. Uh, maybe not Washington actually, but those are still three games that they're going to get paid m- uh, money to, I guess, pay off some debt. Maybe they did some uh, renovation or something. I'm not aware. <laughs> uh, but we got a lot of stuff, like I said, uh, on the Patreon. We'll be doing a pick them as well. Um, and then some other stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to work on some sort of giveaway thing uh, if you're a Patreon. Uh, so everyone join in, have some fun. And we appreciate it. And I think we've got one last thing that Matt usually says to get us out of here. Boomer! Soon. <laughs>